You're listening to a Mash Those Buttons podcast, brought to you ad-free with the support of our patrons. Visit mashthosebuttons.com or stay tuned after the show for more details. Hey there, welcome to episode 128 of Push the Point, recapping everything in the Overwatch, Overwatch League space for the month of December, heading into the new year. I'm your host, Ramses. We're on the, we are on the Mash Those Buttons podcast network. Lobo, it's been almost a year, not really, since the last episode, so my brain's already like struggling to put stuff together. I'm also a little bit sick today, um, so that's if part of my congestion, but... We're making it work today. Happy to be here in the new year. I'm your host, Ramsey's, like I said. Uh, joined by Lobosco. Loba, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing fantastic. I'm, uh, you know, enjoying the new year, I guess. I don't know. I've just been relaxing. I have had today off and yesterday off, and I have tomorrow off. So I'm just going to enjoy not doing anything, especially, too, because we are finally a winter wonderland here in Illinois. Like we we went like 200 and something days without snow, which was like a, a record in the last like 50 years or something weird. Yeesh. Yeah. So uh, we've been dealing with snow here. Uh, I have been trying to not deal with it. So I've just been kind of staying inside and relaxing. And uh, yeah, we get to talk about some Overwatch. I'm excited for some of the news. Um, obviously, we're going to continue covering what we uh you know, what we have set out to every month to about Blizzard itself, Activision Blizzard, and keeping you up to date with uh, a better ABK stuff. Because um, I feel like since the last time we talked, there's a lot of information we got to talk about there. Yeah, definitely. There's a lot to go on. It was the kind of thing we say this every time, Lobo. Um, I look at this, I look and I'm like, man, there was not much news that happened this month, like over the league, and there's still already a bunch of stuff. Um, really quick as well. Follow us on Twitter at pushpointpod. Leave us a review on iTunes wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. Uh, we're gonna get started. There's okay. So there's a bunch of league news, and then there's some Blizzard news, and then there's just some. I guess you could say former, um, former Blizzard employee news that we might get into later. I think there's a different conversation that needs to be had there. Um, but we're gonna kind of go in. We'll we'll kind of go to we'll start with the league news first. Um, so certain teams will kind of group together, particularly one team. Um, but the so we'll start off. Florida Mayhem made a last minute signing at um, main support. Actually, player that none of us I think really expected to go to this team, um, considering that they also had a primarily Western roster. I think, save for like checkmate. But Animo is joining the Florida Mayhem as their newest main support, which. Uh, like I said, I did not expect this to be happening. I really, I kind of thought Automo either was going to go back to Seoul or he might be done this year. But I, it's a weird. It, I guess it is it weird just because I mean they have three Korean players on on the team. Um, someone who will be of age, I think, in time for the season or like close to the beginning of the season, and they have checkmate as well. So like you have three guys. And I know Mir Mir is somebody who is also a player who has played with with Korean rosters before. So I, I don't think you necessarily have. I don't think it's as weird as you think is what I'm saying. Well, so I mean, less from like the I mean, less from the perspective of him going to like a mixed roster. I think more from the perspective that I just. It 
for all intents and purposes, I think a lot of us expect the Mayhem to be kind of in a rebuilding year. Uh, or in kind of in a scouting new talent year. Or even, I kind of thought that Animo wouldn't be interested in a team like this. Granted, I know you take what offers you can get. But it it was just not, it wasn't a move I necessarily expected. It's cool to see him still in the league, though. I, I think he is somebody who deserves to still be in the league as far as his abilities to stay alive. Like, I think he still has one of the lowest death uh, totals in the league, if memory serves. Mm-hmm. So I I wouldn't be too surprised by the fact that a team would want somebody like that. It, it, to me, it just it, it this kind of makes sense as far as like a player that you could get for main support, right? Like it yeah. doesn't feel out of place. So we got him on the Mayhem. Uh, Mayhem also signed a new coach day one. Uh, and I'm trying to I have to check really quick where his previous coaching was. Day one, I think it's been to a few different places. If if memory serves, yeah. Um, what's it called? Talon Esports, WGS Phoenix, and then Team CC from twenty from. What's it called? From June. Wait, am I miscounting? I don't know. Um, from like July of twenty twenty one out through I think like October ish. So someone who's been on a couple different rosters, like you were saying. Yeah, I I, I think day one should be. I think that's a pretty good addition as well. Um, he's been around some pretty good rosters, has seen some success. Um, I know that when he was part of uh, WG, uh, WGS Phoenix, they they won a couple of seasons of contenders and stuff. Uh, he's been on some good teams as a coach. So I think that this is uh, a guy getting his opportunity. You have somebody who speaks the language on your coaching staff of of half of your team. I think that's important, too. I think that what Florida is doing here is putting together a much better roster than maybe people expected. Um, It's still very unproven and very young. I think that's the most important part, right? Like Hydron, um, someone and, and, you know, Sir Mahid are like your three guys, right, who are like you don't know what you're going to get out of them, but there can definitely be high expectations for them uh, because mm-hmm. they are players that have played in the contender scene for a very long time. So I, I like what they're doing with their roster. Looking as well, a couple more signings. Uh, the London Spitfire added Admiral, which if I remember correctly, hasn't Phil been asking him for that addition for a long time? I can't remember. But- Maybe. Uh, formerly known as Admiral Raptor, um, European main, European main support with a bunch of different teams. Uh, even going back to like Angry Titans, Roar Esports, Vox Nihili, Obey Alliance, British Hurricane, and right now London Spitfire. I think it looks like he's playing for O One Esports on loan. Um, but yeah, an Estonian player, um, twenty years old, has been around since around twenty nineteen, so has seen some spots. Uh, from what it sounded, from what I remember hearing, this was a guy who'd played a lot with the most recent iteration of London Spitfire or British Hurricane. So it's, I kind of, I think it may be a little natural to see him make the jump up to the main roster. Yeah. If he knows the guys, right? Like why, why wouldn't you do that? You know, mm-hmm. uh, that seems to make a lot of sense. It's, uh, again, I don't know what to expect from the London Spitfire because 
I like some of the players, right? Like, I still like Poco as a player. I do think there are better off tanks than him, but I think he is still above replacement level good. Um, you know, Shaxx and Sparker are pretty good. Uh, it's about going to be about some of these other guys that are going to really determine, like, what, what do you get out of Admiral? What does provide end up providing you? Um, you know, stuff like that, I think, is going to be the really determining factor. But again... Are they ever going to be as successful as season one? I don't know. I don't even know if they'll be. They still might not be a playoff team. That That is definitely in the poss. That's a big possibility. But then again, you know, we still don't know about 5v5 really yet. So who knows? Well, and they did. So there was an announcement late earlier this month as well that um, British Hurricane has officially been disbanded as well. I think one of. So now they're. I think the last North America. Well, no. Because they're still Boston, they're still Uprising Academy, I think. But one of the final like Western uh, Academy, Academy rosters is officially mm-hmm. done. Yeah, it, it is. Um, it's definitely sad to see that that uh, British Hurricane is gone. Uh, they were a staple in the EU contender scene for so long, so it definitely is one that hurts. Um, just losing Academy teams sucks. Uh, I still think it's a disappointment that the league doesn't require you to have an Academy team. I think that that's something that the league should have anyways. I think it's important to have feeder programs. And we've seen a lot of talent come out of the academy teams, too. So it is a little bit unfortunate that that another one is going to go to the wayside. Well, and it's interesting, too, because it seems like in a scenario where a lot of the Western teams are shutting down their academy teams, you have a ton of the Asian teams who are getting talent directly from their academy teams. There's tons of Team CC players that got picked up. Um, a couple team chaser players as well. So I'm interested to know, I would love to know, like hearing from them, what I guess the main differences are. I imagine funding for one, um, as far as like pe- funding that is willing, that these bigger organizations are willing to still give mm-hmm. to these kinds of organizations. Cause I mean, we know C9 is not hurting for money. Uh, we know but, none of these orgs are hurting for money. Like, yeah. let's be real. We know they're not hurting for money, but it's the idea of like whether or not they deem it worthwhile to keep an academy roster. Well, well, so esports has this problem where it's like they're not making money or whatever is still a topic of conversation even to this day, right? Like, like how how do esports teams make money, right? Like, like there's only suppose you know the 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 number of teams that are in the 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 black is is a topic of conversation that can be discussed for a long time, right? Um. Because you'll have somebody like, uh, you know, Dr. Disrespect say uh, that like only one team is making money. And then, you know, you have um, G2's owner kind of, you know, clapping back and talking about how G2 is a very successful organ that they don't have any problems doing that. Um, uh, I think FaZe Clan was the team that that was the team that that the doc said was the team that was making money. And then um the God, I think it's Carlos is his name. Is the is that the owner of um, I always forget the, the owner of G2. Uh, oh, Reginald? No, of G2. You're thinking of TSM. Oh, yeah. Uh, I can't think it off the top of my head. Oh, God, it's driving me. Yeah, Carlos. It, it is Carlos. Um, so Carlos. Um, responded and said like the only reason phase clan has money is because they keep getting uh investments and stuff like they don't actually make money you know what i mean oh yeah i think it was something of that nature i I, I, don't quote me on that but but it was something of that nature 
I, I would expect that Hundred Thieves makes a decent amount of money as well. But granted, it's because of how much merch they have coming out of like the line as well. Right. But either but, way. But the point is, yeah. is like teams supposedly not making money, but but whatever that that's I was the, 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 the grander picture with this whole thing is that um, if you look at at Academy teams um, for and, and they're not Academy teams in other sports, like look at look at baseball's farm system, look at the NBA's G League, those sort of leagues, those leagues all don't make money. Um, those mm-hmm. leagues all lose money for the respective teams that have teams in them, right? Like, like, uh, you're, you're not doing those teams in order to make money. You're, you're doing those teams in order to actually build talent to increase the value of your main team, right? Mm. So look at the Chicago Cubs for, as an example, right? I know it's, meet sports it's not a one-to-one but this is still something that proves a point of what is important okay so the chicago cubs before winning the world series and after winning the world series the value of the team raised exponentially and you can look this up i don't have it in front of me but if you look it up you can google it look at chicago cubs before winning the world series the value of the team and then after it jumped a ton okay Mm. so winning makes you more valuable so one of the ways you win investing in talent for your main roster that you build through your academy roster, right? So it is an important thing and it sucks to see that the, like, you know, the ecosystem isn't built around teams putting money into that, right? You know, there's a little bit of money now, like there's still incentive to to have two-way players that you loan to 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 these to these tier 2 teams, but like it, it it's not I don't think it's as good of a system. Well, and on on one hand, it's like with the amount, well, with the lack of attention being that has gone into Overwatch 1, or I guess lack of resources coming in from Blizzard, we've already heard plenty of like organizations and teams say that they're reluctant to invest any more money into the game right now. I, it makes sense from a financial standpoint. Yeah. And I also, I would wonder what the attitudes are considering the last team we saw put like a hundred percent of money into like build. Well, putting a, a ton of money into building up through academies, I think would be Philadelphia. Well, and, and even, even, even them, you though, go? I was going to say like, th- wasn't there talks that, um, the building they were building for the fusion is now not going to be used for the fusion. I would imagine. Yeah. I think that I remember hearing something about that, about that, that like 15, $20 million building that they were going to build. Um, for those who've never been to Philadelphia, uh, all the sports teams are kind of like in a, like one area for the most part. Um, like uh, the, the 76ers and the flyers play in the same building. And then there was like this one area where they were going to be building the, the fusions future, you know, uh, home stadium. Um, and then I guess that's changing now or something else is happening with that building. I can't remember exactly. It, it was well, tweeted out a while ago. I'm, I mostly mean from like, Fusion, I think, was the last team that I remember notably doing a lot with their academy team, putting a lot of resources into their academy team. Yeah. And even so, I think the only player that they like that they managed to take fully from that academy team into their main roster was Alarm. Granted, there is a heavy argument for Alarm to be the greatest flex support player to ever play the game. But like there's. I wonder what the feeling is on those on those academy rosters. Because I know, like you said, from a financial standpoint, it's definitely like not logistically worth money, but that's not why you do it, right? So I wonder 
what the attitude is if like if it's just not worth the like the clearly to me the attitude is that it's just not worth the expense well the thing is is like you have two other dps players which uh i don't remember if we ever talked about zest and mn3 because they they were both late october uh on the fusion those are two t1 guys which is technically now the academy roster for philadelphia Mm -hmm. so they're still bringing players in from their academy team so i don't know where the argument lies right like like there definitely seems to be some of an some sort of argument for it if you're still pulling players from it i mean you mentioned alarm rest in peace alarm um but I, I think that it's better to have that than to not, right? If you're building an organization and you're trying to build a culture, do you want somebody who already knows your culture when they come into the team, or do you want to have to integrate somebody in, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you can, if you can have the culture of your academy team be similar to your main roster, it's nothing but a benefit. Yep. Um, looking as well, a couple more moves to go over. Uh, Toronto Defiant picked up Finale or Finale at DPS. Uh, he he's another one of a couple players that they have put together from the 200 MS roster from a couple years ago. Uh, most recently, he played with Uprising Academy and Noble Esports. Um, flex Flex DPS guy Genji Farah, but yeah, he spent some time, only a little bit of time. I think like what's it like one contender season. One month, I'm sorry, of a contender season uh, with 200 MS. But that roster also had Muse, who's on that team. Um, it also had Vigilante, who's on Toronto Defiant. Spent some other time with... Um, I'm trying to see who else was on this Boston Uprising Academy team that he was on. Because like right now, yeah, because Victoria was on there. So was... um, What's it called? And so is It's All QOQ, Simple, Fixa, and Stellar. So... I'm not super familiar with this play, uh, but another contenders guy coming up. Happy to see it. Yeah, and and you have to wonder if this will be an improvement for this roster compared to last year. Um, they were very middle of the pack the entire season, mm-hmm. uh, which I, I feel like has been like basically Toronto, their entire existence in Overwatch League for the most part, other than what I think was like a year or two or two years ago or two seasons ago, I should say. Um, we're not quite to two years ago yet. They were kind of lower middle pack, lower pack, you know, lower part of the pack. Um, mm. But we've never seen them really reach any high highs. And with the players that they've put in here, like I, I still like Hisu, um, you know, finale could maybe be a nice piece. Uh, it, it's hard to say how guys are going to transition to the league, but then also transition to a league that's going to be much different with the play style uh coming forward like i don't even know if these teams are even scrimming yet or if they're you, you know what i mean like we don't even know these guys might just be signing then you know staying still in wherever they live waiting for their opportunity to, to move into a team house or something uh when they finally get the call like we we just don't even know what position that these players are in right now looking as well there was toronto also picked up uh although at flex dps Although uh, you might remember kind of came in to was on Shanghai last year, right? No, I'm. Oh, wait, I'm way wrong. No, you, he um, was on London. He was on London. Uh, he was on the the J-Mac and the boys London Spitfire roster. I remember now that, um, you know, I, it, really quickly, that roster. I, I think it got more crap than it deserved. 
But anyways, continue. Well, so he's on there. You might remember him as a flex DPS player, May Echo Genji. Um, spent some time on London Spitfire, like we remember for season three. Um, then went to O2 Blast, Team BM on loan. Uh, now he's back in the league. I I'm trying to remember because it, it felt like with that London Spitfire years ago, or I guess a year ago, um, that like almost two years. Although now. it was even a guy as well, where like you saw flashes of like this could be really cool, but it was just so hard to, for them to have any sort of consistency. That, it yeah. felt like so many players on my roster had like a game or two where they were really, really good or a hero they were really good on for a span of time. Yeah, like Bernard would look good here and there. J-Mac looked here, good here and there. I, Glister was maybe the most consistent of any of the players that were on the team. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it definitely was a team where you were like, man, this maybe they maybe have something here. All of them were very young, though. This is they were super, you know, inexperienced in Overwatch League specifically. So I feel like that roster didn't get the chance that it deserved. But, they're, they're, you know, these players that were on that roster, a lot of them are working their way up into Overwatch League, whether it's as a coach or as a as a player. So mm. it, it's cool to see, although make his way back in, he had a pretty good run here at the end with O2 Blast, uh, one against Billy Billy in the Ned Ease tournament for winter here just recently um, in November. Uh O2 Blast played pretty well um, in season one of Contenders when he was part of them. Then I think he got loaned while he was while in the middle of that season to like Team, Team BM. BM. So yeah. so like you know Team BM did okay too, but like although was one of those guys, right? So yeah, it's good to see him get his opportunity once again, once again back into the league. Uh, Boston Uprising, kind of jumping around here. Boston Uprising promoted Victoria from their Uprising Academy. Um, I thought I remember hearing some pretty good stuff about this guy. To be honest, I have not been able to keep my my finger on the pulse as much as I typically would. Um, I thought I remember hearing that he was like uh, some pretty good stuff about him. Your hit scan guy, Ash Cassidy, Widowmaker. Mm-hmm. Very sparse information on Liquipedia. Um, Uprising Academy definitely had a much better um, recent run in Contenders North America. So. Uh, he was definitely a part of why that was something. I mean, let's look at it this way. You just want him to sort of fill the holes between Valentine and Stryker, right? Or or maybe play some of those heroes that maybe one of them can't play as well. He doesn't. Mm-hmm. I don't think you're looking for him to be like the main guy other than like, you know, playing the hit scan stuff when you want Stryker on Tracer, right? When when, yeah. when Stryker can't be on both Cassidy and Tracer, you know? Yeah, that's kind of the role he's probably going to fill. And then Valentine, you know, will, will be the the other way, right? Where like when you need your your Sombra because you want Striker on Tracer or, or vice versa or whatever you want to do it. That's the role that he kind of will fill. Um, you know, obviously, Valentine wasn't as good on some of those other heroes than that. You know, he's more of your true flex support guy. But still, like he is an option for some of that stuff. Alrighty, and then looking as well at um one more move before we get to uh, some more big news, uh, the LA Gladiators have officially signed Potiphon as a DPS. Potiphon is a name that people may not remember uh, as much from over as far as from like recent Overwatch memory, but if you follow Professional Valorant, uh, he's a guy who's had a lot, who's had his name a lot in the space. Uh, 
formerly was an Overwatch player with, I think, um, pair, with a Terminal Academy a long time ago. A long time ago. Uh, yeah, Terminal Academy in like 2020. Um, played for a little bit on WGS Phoenix from like October of 2020 out. Um, well, ended in October of 2020. And then he was, um, he played professional Valorant for about a year. Uh, originally he was one of those guys like we talk about sugar free but like he potiphon was one of those guys who like we remember being so frustrated with like the league age requirements just because you were so concerned about whether or not this guy was going to be able to see the league by the time he turned 18 well and you did lose him right now Mm -hmm. luckily this is this is something that you have to to feel very fortunate about if you're the overwatch league right that patty fan loves overwatch more than he loves valorant so he decided to do what was best for him and his well-being, right? He played Valorant because he had an opportunity to make some really good money as a professional player in Valorant. And honestly, if he's if he stayed in Valorant, the guy probably would be one of the most sought after players right this year. Um, you'd have all the NA orgs looking at him. You'd have, you know, whoever wanted to give him a shot. Like he could have even stayed with the team he was on because they were they were a team that made it to the finals, not not into the the, the actual final game, but the they were consistently the placing pretty well. Yeah, they, they, but they were in the 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 final the the whatever they call I forget what they call the world championship for for Valorant right now. They were in champions. That. Yeah, champions, champions league or whatever it is. They were in that. Okay, that's how good his team was, and Patty Fan was the standout player. So that that was you know a lot of people. After that, like everybody kind of knew he was going back to Overwatch already at this point. But but there was also this thought that like, man, he's playing so well in Valorant. What if he just decides to stay? Mm-hmm. And I, I think it would have been fine either way. But to get a talented player like him back, I think is really exciting. And as far as like a team that kind of has a large hole that they're trying to fill, Patty fans, maybe not going to fill it completely. Because you're talking about a champion in Bird Ring, but this is a good guy to have as like that that successor. Mm-hmm. So like, you think about it too, like the the last memory we have of this guy, I guess the last like major stage memory we have is that he was dominating people with Team Thailand back in 2018. So like, I'm really excited to see kind of how his game has evolved since then. Um, I do know so. I have heard, I guess, the rumor mill from like Halo and people like that was that while he's enjoy while he enjoyed Valorant, that um, it sounds like Overwatch currently pays better or pays more. Uh, an Overwatch League contract would pay more consistently. So, I'm interested to see kind of how this goes. I'm interested to see kind of where we see him maybe this time next year. I mean, mm-hmm. we're all interested to see where the league is going to be this time next year. But like, Overwatch, I, I yeah. I do wonder where things will be for him, but dude was an ace in 2018 and like arguably kind of was forced out of contender simply because it was not viable for him anymore. So I'm interested to see what he does. His doom fist is ridiculous. I remember his Genji, his tracer both being really good. Like it's almost like having a second Kefster in some ways. It, it's, it's a very good pair to like, this is a trio of Kefster ons and pot, you know, potty fan. I can never say some patty fan. God, I, I always have trouble with this name sometimes. Um, 
they make a very like strong three headed DPS trio, right? Like we were kind of wondering, we we're like, oh, Ons and Kevster, this is awesome. This is great. But now like you kind of need one more guy. And as far as one more guy that you can get, like it, it don't get much better than that. That I think mm-hmm. is awesome, especially when you look at it. Um, you know, I, I, I still can't believe that they traded. They basically traded Moth for Funny Astro, right? Like you, you really don't lose a whole lot there. Uh, different play style. I think a play style that might actually fit better with this Gladiators team in Funny Astro's play style, right? Like, I think that that is an awesome upgrade for them as well in certain ways. I, I still think Moth is one of the best main supports to ever play the game. I just think stylistically, Funny Astro will fit better, though. Um, and you still have space, right? So you you are still in a very good position to be a team there at the end like they were this past year. Um, obviously they have probably aspirations to get a little bit higher than what they got though. Mm-hmm. I do wonder as well, like we still haven't seen where, where Moth ends up. Um, I am interested to see if he, like if we see him pop up anywhere now next year, or I guess this year, but like there's still a couple teams that I guess need. Uh, you're gonna get, you're gonna give me the business, I know, but like there are still certain teams that don't have like a traditional main support on the roster. We know not everybody's going for that. So I'm he's somebody who's so good. I, it would be a shame if he doesn't get picked up somewhere. No, I think it would be a shame too. Um, you still should have like that traditional main support, right? Like I don't see any reason to not when you have somebody the caliber of Moth, not just as a player but intellectually as far as like. You know, you ask anybody like who's one of the smartest Overwatch League players as far as like knowledge about stuff in the game and, you know, things like that. Like Moth is always like one of those guys that are like, man, he's so smart. You know what I mean? Like mm. like he he is talked about in that way. Like there, there's no negatives to having him on your roster. So why isn't he picked up yet? And I think it was kind of uh, gosh, I forget his name, but who's the head of Overwatch League now? Yeah, Sean um, Miller. Sean Miller. Thank you. He 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 said, you know, everybody is at the amount of players that they're supposed to have by the deadline. He's like, now teams are allowed to announce whenever they want to. So maybe Moth's already picked up and we just don't know it yet. Well, because we haven't heard from New York, which him going to New York would be interesting. But yeah, we haven't heard from New York yet. I think other than them, every team has like at least publicly said more than five so or five minimum so but he might be the sixth or seventh player on a team as well right like i think that's important for people to remember too is just because teams are at five one they're not done with the amount of team players that they are supposed to have on the roster anyways this is just this deadline they've had right there's still another deadline where they need to have like six or something is that what the the max the minimum number is i think so so there's still you know, like a player or two that teams have to pick up or announce that they've picked up uh, for a lot of these teams. I'm just saying Houston. Houston still needs a main. Uh, in my opinion, Houston still doesn't have anybody who's traditionally played main support. So we'll see. He would be a good fit. I'm I'm, I'm not even lying. I think he would be a really good fit in Houston. Um, Why not? Right. Why not? Looking. So the main thing I wanted to talk with you about was uh, we finally got some LA. Well, we got some LA Valiant news last episode, and then we were gone for a month. I think the rest of the news came like decently afterwards. So the Valiant made a couple of announcements, Lobosco. Uh 
I think number one, they signed the guy who you've been wanting, you've been championing one of the many voices championing That's this man. Not just me. One of the many voices championing this man for the past couple of years. Uh, they finally signed Dia. Finally. Finally. Oh, my God. I was so happy when I saw this tweet come out. Like, I'll be real. Like, Overwatch news hasn't, like, hit me the way that it used to. I haven't been as, like, hyper-focused as it in years past because everything's surrounding Blizzard, right? Like, it's really hard to to support something to be super gung-ho how i had been in the past mm-hmm. um, just because of some of the stuff going on. And, you know, until that stuff gets fixed, it's hard to be excited about some of this other stuff. But this was one guy who I was so excited to hear that he finally is getting his opportunity to re-enter the league and show that he has grown exponentially as a player, not just as a player, but it seems like as a person too. Like he was clearly a guy that mattered on his team in more ways than one when you heard how people talked about him. And with how the Valiants were last year, I never could have seen the, the start of their roster construction looking like this. I think we're going to talk about their other moves here soon, too, because they had more than just this move. But this as your centerpiece move, the first move that you announce of this new roster that you're going to be using in 2022. It's awesome. It's great. Like Team CC has had so much success in contenders these past couple years. Dia was the main person, the driving force behind it, making that possible. We saw this team go to Korea. And be successful there, too. That's how cool and how transformative this has been. Now, that part was without Dia for the most part. He was there for a little bit in the beginning. But still, that is still an emphasis that I think is important because this is a guy who you want to build a roster around and who I've been vying for for multiple teams to try and try him out. And and they probably did. Maybe he just wasn't the right fit. Who knows? But he's getting his opportunity here. And some of the players he's going to be playing with, I think, make it even more exciting. So he's on the team. Uh, They also announced that they had signed. Where is it? They also, they had announced that they had signed innovation, who is another, like another one of these, like Chinese contender stalwarts as well. Somebody who uh, I think from what I remember being like sort of a similar situation. Well, he, they were a duo. Him and Dia were two of the players that played a lot together when they were on team CC, the other player that really made them, the the world beaters that they were even like when echo was like super important in the meta was was um spectra but spectra is like only 16 or 17 right now uh mm-hmm. I, I don't god he's he's i think he's still a couple of years away so like that was the the other problem that you had was like you're not going to be able to get spectra yet but like these are the other two though that made the the three-headed dps monster that team cc had Yeah, Spectra's 17 and turns 18 in August. So Spectra is still a little bit of a ways away from being able to play. But soon. Oh, he... Wait a second. I'm dumb. Because I was looking through, like, so... Because I was looking through... Because um, Super Rich changed his name. Because he used to be Hayokian. Okay. That's why I was confused. Um, So D is on there. And then, like we we're just talking about, um, innovations on there. And they added another player as well. They added Becky, who is not somebody I'm personally familiar with. Um, 
another DPS player. This guy, I think, is your Flex, your Doomfist, your Tracer, your May. I would hope to probably see some Echo in there as well. I'm not personally familiar. Time with uh, Team Diamond. Uh, is this? Wait, what team is this? Yeah, Team Diamond. Uh, a little bit of time with Bravos Gaming. Uh, yes, not per- Spent some more time, I guess, in Contenders Korea, more more necessarily than Contenders China. Yeah. Um, still a somebody to fill out the holes for your DPS. Um, I think it, it works well. Like I said, I think the guy, ideally, that would be the third between Dia Innovation is Spectra. But again, Spectra doesn't turn 18 till August, late August as well. So... Maybe they sign him to a two-way contract or something. I don't know how it works if you can, but like he could be in on Team CC still or something, or or I think he, I think Spectra might still be on Team CC. Like you can still have him there, and then but at least he's like part of the team house, you know, sort of do the flower thing, or like he's mm-hmm. there but but he can't play yet, but he's still playing with the lower team. I would love it if they got him to be part of it because depending on the other couple moves that they can do. This is a team so far that has the potential to be a team that could be scary. It's one of those teams where, like, I think they could easily be a bunch of North of the North of the uh, North American teams. At and least right now, that's that's assume, that's assuming. But like, I could see them doing really well against a bunch of North American teams and some of the Asian teams too. Yeah, we'll see with how um, Guangzhou and Chengdu both shape up as well. And then uh, one more signing as well from from the LA Valiant. It wasn't in the original doc, but I want to make sure we got it on here. They signed Coldest. Yes. He who has languished on the bench for so long finally has a team. Finally is going to get some play time. And and we still don't really know why he he never really got to play. Like we he played what? Like two games? If that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like like we don't know why he would never played. And anytime we saw him, it was like, okay, he seems fine. So I like this move as well. I think this is uh, this is going to be a team of redemption for multiple reasons, right? Because how bad the Valiant were last year, but also like these players here, Dia on his finally getting his redemption tour into the league, uh, Coldest with his opportunity to to not be on the bench. There, there's still more moves that they have to announce to us, but with what they've announced so far, like this is not the LA Valiant of last year. This is not the L.A. Valiant that's going to be the butt of jokes. This is going to be an L.A. Valiant team that no matter who they sign for these last couple, you're really going to be interested in what that they can, what they can do against some of these top teams. I do wonder as well if I'm wondering if Wu Yaw is currently signed as like a player coach, because then technically they would have five or if they just or if they have more strictly players, they just haven't announced yet, which is true. Like, I would have to imagine just because there's no. They have one support player on this team and currently no tanks. I'm just happy that Wooliall is in the league, in Overwatch League in some capacity. So that, to me, is better than him not being there at all, right? And like No Hill as well, We we that was the one thing we did know last time, right? Was we knew No Hill was going to be coaching and we thought, okay, maybe this is the opportunity, right? And then now it's really, it's really happening. It's really happening. And it's so, like, for somebody who covered a lot of Contenders China, um, this team, I'm still waiting to see the last couple pieces because I think that's important. But with what we have so far, it's hard to not be excited about it. Mm-hmm. I agree. This team looks like it'll be fun to watch. 
I will definitely have to watch the YouTube videos first thing in the morning because I cannot stay up that late anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really late. Yeah, and as you can hear me right now, again, pardon my stuffiness. I don't know if I should be staying up that late. A um, couple of things like we talked about. Uh, Sean Mills, who's going to be the new guy in charge of Overwatch League, at least publicly, tweeted out uh, today, actually January 2nd, that ahead of our January 3rd roster deadline, I can confirm that all teams have signed at least the required five players for Overwatch League 2022. For clarity, please keep in mind there is no league requirement for when teams choose to announce their signings. And hey, again, we have no like, I guess, what's the word? We have no like idea as far as who this guy is going forward. So I'm glad at least that the first thing he kind of puts out in the world is just some, I guess, some sort of transparent information. Not as transparent as we would prefer, not as much as we'd like, but at least it wasn't like really roundabout. I mean, it's similar to what we've had the last couple of years, right? I don't I I feel like um we're in the same sort of like avenue where uh we're not getting a lot of answers to questions. Uh we're getting like half an answer to to a question that we have, but that's really it, right? So so there's still more for us to kind of need to to kind of hear from him as far as some of this stuff. It's nice that he posts in there that um he he has a, a second tweet in his replies that tells you this is um if you aren't familiar with how roster construction is going to be for 2022 here's the link so he he gives that to people um that's a nice little touch to add on to his tweet but again i want more than what we have here i would like there to be something a little bit more significant like i don't understand why the league doesn't have a transactions page right like almost every league that you look at, like you can look at, there's some sort of transactions like list of some sort, especially like minor league stuff. Like um, this is coming from somebody who's worked in um, league, not in, not in a league office, but for a team that had to deal with a league office. Right. So there was certain protocols that you had to do when you were announcing rosters and stuff like that. I don't know what the protocols are for Overwatch League. They're They're not clear to us. Right. Like. The only thing we know is that teams can announce rosters when they can, but there's also no way to like see like a, a listed transactions of when this player was signed on what date, right? Like we don't have that at all. That's something that I want. That's something selfishly that I would like, but it's good to know that the teams have met the deadline, right? The, the deadline is technically tomorrow uh, from the day that we're recording this, which is January 2nd. So on January 3rd, everybody has five players. So that's nice to hear. But like I said, I, I want more transparency personally, Ramses. I think a lack of transparency has led to a lot of the problems with Activision Blizzard in general. So, you know what I mean? Like, like stuff like that would kind of be nice. Well, and we can cover a couple of those problems right now uh, because not a month goes by, Labosco. Not a month goes by where this company like. So here's a, okay, really quick. Before when we did our last game night, I was like, you know what? I think I would like start playing Overwatch again. I love this game. I'm in for it. And then like the next day was when the tweets about uh, the breast milk theft came out. And I was like, yeah, I'm done. I'm out. Like as soon as as soon as that part came out, uh, I was just over it. I was like, I you and I have talked. We haven't played the game in a while. Um, you can look at like even I think we were seeing like Thibble posted a tweet of like. Open Overwatch. Immediately remember why I don't play Overwatch. Close Overwatch. Like, the amount of content creators for this game who still play this game is 
who don't stream, I guess, is very, very few. I know almost all podcasters for this game barely play the game. Yeah, I I, I was, um, I don't know, randomly one day, uh, you know, like a week or two ago, I was watching and Lemon Kiwi put out a tweet that she was going to be playing Overwatch with some friends. I was like, oh, I guess I'll watch this for a little bit. And like watching her play and I was like, I feel nothing for this right now. I don't even feel, you know what I mean? I felt nothing. Which is sad because it's a game that I've been very passionate about for very long and that passion has been sapped away, not from the game itself, part of the game, of course, we all know the issues there, but even the the larger overarching issues that are eventually leading to the problems with the game, right? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, dealing with corporate BS, all these different stories that we've heard about the interference that has happened with the Overwatch team and how, you know, Jeff had to fight so hard to stop that stuff from happening. Right. And, and then we know that there's been problems in the Overwatch team anyways. Right. We know that there was problems in the Overwatch League offices and stuff like that with certain people. And, you know, maybe not exactly Overwatch League people specifically, but like tangential people to like um, uh, Tespa and stuff like that. Right. So, so we know that there's all these like over overarching issues and it just makes it hard to, to really want to to do anything. And yep. then we we have some of the crazy announcements that end up coming out in this month. And some of them are think it, I think are very important. So this is going to be kind of loose a little bit. There's no I I I honestly I need to start making my own timeline, Lobosco. I need to just have my own timeline that we can reference all the time. Um <laughs> there's part of me that thinks like I'll never stop updating it cuz we never will. But um Going through a couple different things. Um, I guess the major analysis to go over. We talked about it like right when. I think we we like mentioned it like right when we did the last episode. Um, so there was a Blizz Jess who now no longer works at the company. Um, posted um, a posted a thread of things that were t- uh, as far. She posted a thread from um, a Slack for Blizzard women that had some different things as far as um accommodations accommodations the word um made for employees who are breastfeeding um which kind of went viral one of the things was that um there was a number of items that were either specifically not taken care of um it that had been asked by breastfeeding employees or kind of conditions that were there that were making it in a very uncomfortable situation uh number one i guess kind of going through them um, the furniture in the room was um pretty much just not set up to where you could even properly pump. Um, oh moms God. were often sitting on the floor. Uh, the tables, like and the furniture in there, were not pretty much set up to where you could even do it. Even and these are in specifically like rooms for breastfeeding. Um, uh, furniture wasn't set up for it. Um, fire hazards with outlet situations. Um, insufficient storage space. Um a lot of the moms did not feel comfortable leaving their breast pumps in these kinds of places um, to where they would either carry them across campus or like they would just keep them at their office. Like people don't feel safe with their breast pumping equipment. Um, Refrigerator. Here's the one that had a lot Um, refrigerators had padlocks that were not consistently locked or could be accessed by other employees. Employees were using the fridges to store their beer in, but the reason there were locks on them in the first place is that nursing people's breast milk would be stolen. It's just ridiculous. It's so every time I hear it, I get mad. Like, really? Really? You're good. It's so oh, it's ah, the, it, I just get grossed out thinking about somebody taking that. And 
just how can you do that? Why would you do that? There, there's, you, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, I know why you would do it because you're a terrible person. That's why you did it. And that's why they're trying to get rid of people like this, right? It's so frustrating to hear and, 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 and see these stories continue to come out like more new ones. And the response is still just lackluster. And that's the most, I think that's the most disappointing part of it all more than anything else. Mm -hmm. And like, it almost seems like what is the most ridiculous thing? Like what's the most outright villainous thing? Which is creepy. Like, like weird. Like, why are you doing this? And that's it. it. You talk about again, like, refrigerators that were meant for breast milk with people unlocking them and putting their beer in is like just a a microcosm of like what the culture is there. And like, why is it, why are you even allowed to have beer at work? Like, I know that there's now, now I know there's a very big beer culture with, um, game developers. Uh, I have friends who are game developers and they all happen to really be like into craft beer and stuff. But, but generally, from my experiences with them, that stuff happens outside of work, right? So I well, don't understand like, why it had was, to extend into work. There was talking about like, there was talk about, oh, well, we have like a, a drink maximum. So like, it's fine. It's like, no, the drink maximum was in place. The idea is that people are bringing beer to the office and pre-gaming anyway. It, it, you, I don't care. There shouldn't be any um, of any kind, right? There should be zero, zero tolerance. Why are you drinking at work at all? It just like I I don't see why that's okay, right? Like I I'm not a big fan. I okay. I I personally don't really care to drink that much, anyways. And if I am drinking, it's when I <laughs> there's one time of the year when I drink, and it just so happens to be when I go out of town to to see friends at a con. That's the only time I drink anymore. And even mm-hmm. then, I don't drink that much. Um, that kind of. So that specific like kind of tidbit caught a lot of attention. Uh, Treyarch actually put out a student, um, a, a tweet, I guess a statement Treyarch being a sub studio of Activision Blizzard, um, saying that as they move for our culture has room, what's it called? Our culture has no room for sexism, harassment, racism, bigotry, discrimination, or bullying. As we move forward, providing a safe, diverse, inclusive working environment so that all may thrive will be our highest priority. Everyone at Treyarch is drawn to game development because we possess a deep love for the artistry of video games and the magic that can create moments that matter. This is a moment that matters and it starts by being better. Um, Kind of the first, the first, I guess, of like you heard some of the stuff with Raven software at the end of last episode, but like, I think another major like Activision subsidiary kind of saying something granted Raven didn't say anything, but like, this is, I guess, the first major Activision subsidiary saying anything. Yeah, it, it, it's it's one of them. It's nice that somebody's saying something, but it's still not enough. It's still like th- this is like like Blizzard saying we're sorry, right? Um, mm-hmm. What does it do? What does it accomplish? It's like, OK, it's great that you have this thought, but now you have to take it the next step and now actually implement things that are going to make the change that you're saying that you want, right? Like, like it, it doesn't just start with that, right? You need more. So what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. We saw, um, again, Activision Blizzard and Raven Software specifically have Raven Software employees uh, went on strike. 
um, and I think they still are on strike from what I remember, um, in response to quality testers being fired out of the blue. Um, it's been, as of that tweet was 17 days, it's been at least, I mean, we're coming up on a month of them not even acknowledging anything as well. This is the uh, As far as acknowledging those demands. I, I think this is like one of the, the toughest parts right now. It's like there's not enough um, coverage of what, whether these stri- what's going on with these strikes currently, like what sort of um, form are they having? Are are there still picketers outside of Blizzard outside uh, uh, story that we haven't talked about yet? But um, well, there was like a res- there was a little bit of striking. Uh, there was a little bit of picketing out front of like the Texas office, I think. For Raven, for I think either Blizzard or Raven. Um, it was all like the content of like the picketing was all concerning Raven. Well, right. But but we also had, uh, which is another story. I forget if it started when we, we did our last podcast or not, but you actually had Blizzard employees go on strike as well. That is something that has happened, too. And so, there was some good coverage at the beginning of both this one and the Raven one. But there hasn't been much since. Right. Like like the only pe- things we can go off of are like the uh, better ABK stuff and like trying to search for stuff. But like if you search Raven software strike, th- the latest article that I see is from uh, about a month ago. Well, and so we know a couple of other things have happened. Um, there was a, an ABK strike fund that was put together um, that was taking donations, which we'll put um, the link in our in our description as well. But it was a yeah, there's an ABK Workers Alliance strike fund that um helps pay the expenses or helps take care of um employees who are currently striking. Which I think it's an important resource because it gives people the actual like resources to be able to strike. You look, I mean, we already talked before about like how many Blizzard employees are getting paid at a level where they can't like they're they're living out of their car. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, it it's it, it's to give people peace of mind, right? So so the goal of the fund, I think the goal has changed because I don't remember it being at a million dollars, but that's what it's at right now uh, to update you. And if you want to to fund, help fund the, the strike fund so that way the people who are striking, because I know not everybody is striking at Blizzard. Um, there's been a lot of people that are trading. Um, uh, union cards. I don't know why I couldn't mm-hmm. think of union cards. Um, that are still like inside the building and working and stuff. But there's also a lot of people picketing as far as I know. You know what I mean? We we don't have there's no correspondence of what's happening every day. Right. Well, and then so Blizzard, I remember this now Blizzard put out like Brian Bulato, who is one of like their upper executive people put out this pretty much sent an internal email, say like I had a lot of super anti-union language about like think carefully before you make this decision and like was really trying to like be intimidating. Yeah, it, it basically it was like trying to it was the the beginning of them trying to uh, union bust, right? That that those are some of the telltale like um, first steps that a company will do. Um, I think it's worth mentioning that like people know that unions aren't for don't work for every single job, right? There's certain things where it won't work, smaller companies and stuff like this. But Blizzard is massive, right? Mm-hmm. There, this is a company that can actually use something like this right um there, there's a much easier way for this to work in a company like blizzard than other companies so that that's why there's so much support for something like this um 
the the fund is at three hundred and fifty nine thousand dollars now. Uh, we will have a link if you want to support it. Um, I'll even put the link in chat here for those of you who are watching us live. By the way, we do this live uh, usually. Uh, <laughs> the last couple of months, there have been uh, some extenuating circumstances that we couldn't, but now we finally are back on that path. So go and support Blizzard uh, workers who are trying to make Blizzard better, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I think that the, the fact that we're only like a month in and they've hit 359,000 is pretty awesome. Um, there's been some really big donators and stuff, which is great. Uh, but they still are going to need more money. There's a lot of employees that are, that are a part of this. And when it comes to stuff like this, it's not about, uh, it's about outlasting the other side, right? It's not about winning some major victory in some sort of way. It's about who, who's going to last longer before they give out. Mm. Um, and the more money that Blizzard employees who are fighting the good fight have, to fight that fight and, and keep themselves sustained the, the longer they, they can hold out and the more pressure can be put on the executive, you know, uh, branch. I don't want to say branch cause it's not government. The, the, the executive suite, right? Yeah. That, that is what needs to happen. So the more money they have to be able to at least comfortably live and continue their strike the better the odds are that they will have their man's demand met and that they will be able to successfully have this union be possible. And of course it's about those employees too, making sure that they stay together through that time. Mm -hmm. So that was a lot of that. There was a lot of active blizz news that happened. There was another bit of it that kind of is part of the grander story. Um, that also happened. Um, Earlier this month, I guess, yeah, at the end of December, um, there were a couple different esports personalities who have who kind of felt it appropriate to. Well, no, there's one specific esports personality. How would I put this? Because I don't, I don't like giving names out because I don't want to drive any traffic their way. Um, at any rate, there was two, two people who are used to be involved in Overwatch in some capacity. Well, well it goes, but it starts above before that because. So Valorant put out a video or Riot put out a video pretty much saying, hey, here's what our plans are for Valorant in the next year. And in the meantime, um, more news came out saying, hey, we have a bunch of um, women's only tournaments that are going to be coming out in the next year. Great. Um, cool. Awesome. Love to I, see Again, it. literally no like no issues with that. Um, that's awesome. That's great. There are, is a faction of the internet gaming community who feels the need to be like, well, why is it? That's not fair. Women only tournaments. That's ridiculous. Like that's, that's so unfair. Wow. If we did men only tournaments, like how bad would, how big it and bad would that be? And that a point, <clears throat> sorry, that opinion kind of got trumpeted by a couple different major esports people who work for different games. Um, there's a, and then it got picked up again by, by a, caster who used to work for the overwatch league and then like kind of defended by an analyst who used to work for the overwatch league that everybody agrees is didn't do, was not <laughs> missed when he left i guess that's mean to say i don't know um either way there's been a lot of there's been a lot of conversation recently as far as like what the environment is for women in the gaming space specifically in the pro level space um and i know that we for one, this is a problem that's bigger than any specific game. You can look at almost anything. Um, I've seen it happen in Overwatch. I know Valorant has a very specific problem with it. I would 
be less than shocked if other major games also have these same problems as well. Yeah. And, and it's well, ESL. So, so you mentioned the Valorant stuff, but the, the one that got this certain person that you're talking about that you don't want to mention involved was, um, ESL, which is the, the, one of the main, um, esports like tournament organizers. Um, if you've watched a CSGO tournament in the past, uh, you've probably seen an ESL event. They run a bunch of other stuff too. Um, but they announced a women's circuit for Counter-Strike for CSGO. So, and and that's what made this person that you're talking about comment on it. And the his original, what, what he was trying to say wasn't good. Um, his, his initial things that he put out were terrible, right? Like he has thoughts that I don't agree with. But the way that he put it out there and, and some of the things that he did were, were absolutely ridiculous. Like, Oh, directly hateful. Well, it, it's just it's like, what's it when somebody's saying something about something you said and then you're like, oh, pronouns in the bio checks out. Like, wh- what is that? That's stupid. It's just like, really, that's. um, One of the, the, the dumbest things, if you're going to argue about, you know, Twitter being a a place for debate. If you dismiss somebody just based on the fact of something like that, you've already, you've already shown your hand that you don't want to have a, a, um, a fair conversation with that person anyways. Right. Like regardless of what they they've said, you're having a bad faith conversation, right? So you've already shown that you, you don't really care what people are going to say. Not only that, this guy also literally quote tweeted what a somebody who a woman in esports who had to fight her way in the CSGO scene. He he literally didn't read her second tweet, right? Like, like he, he comments on her first tweet. But doesn't have the context of her second tweet, right, to, to try and prove his point of why his thoughts are better than anyone else's. And. Then he also later will go on and and retweet this guy who has a billion tweet thread, which is stupid long. But but it's also you tries to use um, gender roles or whatever as a way of saying, well, see, women aren't very competitive and blah, 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 this and that. That's why you don't have women. And it's like in League of Legends, you can have a gender neutral account and we don't see women getting to challenger and stuff like that. And it's like that, that is not proving your point. That's proving the opposite of your point because um, women have never been allowed to compete until recently, right? Like competitive women's sports was not a thing until recently. Okay. And also let's not pretend that the, the playing field is just not set up in the same way to where it's a fair environment for eat for both. Well, right. Men and women. I mean, you, you literally have the, the woman who 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 he tweets who quote tweets talks about how she wasn't allowed on a team and and, and there was other women who said this too weren't allowed on a team because they thought it would be awkward to have a girl on the team with a bunch of guys and it's like what like, like you've already you have disproven your own point in multiple ways it's stupid it's it's a really it, it, listen it's a dumb argument and it's a bad faith argument. Like there's so many bad faith arguments that are being made by these people. And I think that's one of the most frustrating parts about it. Other than the people that are going to just spew out BS nonsense anyways, because that's how they get engagement and that's how they keep their job and how they keep people watching their videos. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've talked about it as well. There's plenty of people who continue to kind of out themselves in this scene as people who 
not only are not supportive of women in the space, but also who are. I mean, it feels like nothing but against women in the space, to be honest. And and you know, it's one of the things I hate most um, that people do on Twitter is they will take a bad faith argument um, that somebody else is doing. And they will be like, oh, this is what everybody thinks, you know. Oh, how do you expect me to to argue with these people? You know, I saw I saw, um, you know, Monty has not like directly talked about this, but I saw him talk about like, you know, Twitter was funner back in like whatever day. And then somebody else who was a a part of Overwatch a long time ago, um, famously, you know, brothers with AKM, you probably know who I'm talking about. He, He he tweets about. So so here's one of the ways that you do a bad faith argument, right? Okay, he lists out th- like certain types of things that they call you like bigoted, they call you uh homophobic, they call you this, they call you that. He's like and they can't you they can't have a conversation with you cuz they call you that without you ever actually talking about things. And it's like, hmm, there's something very really weird about all the examples you gave. It's only from one side. So you're being disingenuous by saying that only one side is going to to call you certain things to to make your argument invalid right when if you look at the other side you get called unhinged you get told that you you are mental that you should seek mental that that that, that there's something wrong with you mentally right like that's well, one of the arguments that they use so the point is the here moving, that go ahead it's the moving the goalposts too because it becomes like a okay well your argument's wrong it's like oh well you're so invested in this argument wow i totally beat you like it's yeah, it is this constant moving of the goalposts where like if you are if you commit time to arguing to refuting the argument, it's like, wow, you put this much time. In, you're unhinged. You get a block, which granted, I'm not a, like blocking is totally within your right. Um, but it's just the kind of thing where people will again, like you said, these bad faith arguments that are very hyper specific and then. Well, and they only take examples that are those hyper, like the the hyper extreme person who said that you're, you're, you know, you're racist or whatever. You know what I mean? Like you have that person and then you also have this other person who's actually trying to have discourse with you, right? That's trying to have I mean, a discussion, right? Crappy things can still happen to crappy people. Like that's the thing. Well, right. But but the point is, is that when you're, when you're, you, you cannot claim the other side won't, uh, won't have an argument in good faith when you're also doing the same thing. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so it's, it's a, it's the same thing on either side. It's just both sides are, it's like, okay, you're either this or you're that, depending on what side you are, you're a bigot or you're, you're a, a, uh, you're mental, right? You, 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 you're unhinged, right? It's, it's ridiculous. It's stupid. It's like, so, so you, you don't want to have, you don't actually want to have a conversation with that person anyways, because you, you are accusing them of having a pre predisposed disposition of what they think you are. Right. But you're also doing the same thing. So you're never going to be able to have any sort of conversation to begin with. And that's, that's the thing that gets me is like, they are just as bad as the people that they say are bad. You know, Mm -hmm. if, if you look at it from that perspective. So, so all it ends up turning into is people being stupid online um, every time. Well, and you can look at, we have friends that personally talk to us about this all the time. You can look at any major example of people of women suffering through this, like on any competitive game through any stream, like to well, pretend that the like environment I said, is just look at the woman that Sembler fucking retweeted. 
did. And I said his name. I'm sorry. But he literally retweeted a woman who in her second reply talks about why the thing that Semler's talking about doesn't work. He just had to read another tweet. And nobody's talking about that. And it drives me crazy. I mean. I think what was it, what was nice to see was like a lot of. There was a lot of talk as far as like people being more supportive of women in the space. Granted, I will say that the women. So I can only speak from my experience with Overwatch and granted my playing experience right now is not that much, but I would make the argument that a lot of the player base from Overwatch is pretty disconnected from the social media usership of people who play Overwatch. Yeah. Oh, hundred so percent. It's one thing for people to say like we are like stand up and for your state spaces and like and defend and chat and like and don't stand for this because realistically most people who play Overwatch who have that kind of behavior are not people who play or not people who are active in the space in the space here online. Well, and, so, and, the, and this isn't something and I I'm not trying I'm not calling anyone out specifically, but um, it's one thing to say that you need to be those things and then it's another thing to do it right. Um. I have played plenty of games with women and there have been plenty of times where I've had to yell at people while playing Overwatch because of how they were treating people I was playing with. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've ever played a game with me, you know that, the, like, listen, the Italian blood, it just it gets me. It's getting me going already right now. Right. Like there is a certain level where if you start to say certain things and I hear it. I'm not going to stand for it. And I'm going to say something. I am not somebody who is going to just sit there and let you say something to my friend. Right. Um, we need more of that. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying to be like me because I don't do a good job of it. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't make it. I don't make the situation better because I just get mad. Uh, but standing up for your friends is something you should be doing in some way especially your friends who are girls uh, when you're playing a game with them, you shouldn't be letting people say those things. And it starts with us as guys. There was a great tweet I saw today that put some context with it. We're like, it's just removing yourself from gaming for a second. Can you imagine if like you saw a woman out on the street and you started saying things like that? Like the things that people say in these games, like, can you imagine just physically like saying those out to someone in a space that isn't a game? Like people hide behind, I mean, people do it in real life, though, too. Like, that's the unfortunate oh, part. Like, think about catcalling, right? Um, but, like, catcalling now has be, become so negative, you don't hear about it as much. You still hear about it, though. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. It still exists, right? Like, we still haven't put, put away some of these things that are a little bit more in your face. And, and it continues. It needs to continue changing. Um, that's, I think, the part that people on the other side should at least be able to agree upon. That we have we have a lot of work to do. And whether you think your solution is different or not, at least agree with us that there is a problem and and don't make it don't make it more than what it is too. like, like, don't make it like because women hate men or something stupid. You know what I mean? That's not the conversation we're trying to have. Of course, when, like you said, it's a good point because people will always try and twist it like, oh, well, like I just so I can't like compliment or I can't say or I can't call out people for being bad. I'm like, no. Again, that's not what you're doing. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean. Again, there's a reason why how many. How many women do we know personally that play games like literally they don't join comms. 
they mute chat and join join comms because they just don't even want to have the chance of dealing with it. I know. And it, and it doesn't matter if you would be whatever I play with somebody, I tell them, I, you know, if you want to join a weekend, otherwise I don't care. Like, I don't need to hear people in there unless it's my friends anyway. So, I mean, for peace of mind, for me, I don't join a lot of times. Right. Mm-hmm. So and, and I'm you know, I'm not going to get it to the extreme that a girl is going to get it. So and and I hate the argument of like, oh, men get plenty of harassment in games, too. It's like it's one, it's not the same. And two. It's not targeted directly as who you are as a person, right? Like it's mm-hmm. tra- it's directed at you in a different way. It's not, it's not the same. And you don't understand how it feels to hear those things from a woman because you're not one. You won't get it. You never will. You can think you do, but you don't. You just won't because you'll never be in her shoes. Simple as that. Yes, sir. Anything else before we uh, I th- we start wrapping up for the evening? Um, no, it, I, I just think that uh, if people are making bad faith arguments, the best thing to do is not engage with them um, because they're not going to try and see a different perspective. Um, they're going to find some way to negate your argument, right? They're going to do like what we mentioned about. Oh, pronouns and bio checks out, right? Like, like dismiss you in some way that doesn't Twitter is not the place to do that. And even in, in person, they're, they're probably not going to have those conversations as well. Right. So well, and I think it's a, a point has been made recently as well, where like something that I know I'm trying to get better about doing is like just not even engaging with it. Yeah, because you're just giving them a larger platform, right? Yeah, uh, you're 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 now you might not think you have anybody who thinks the same way as that person does, but you probably do. So when you retweet that, you quote retweet them and say that they're stupid or whatever, or like, you know, this is a terrible argument. Um, even if you have the best intentions with whatever you're doing, uh, you're just amplifying their voice and increasing the echo chamber that they have. Right. Yep. And uh, there are some of them that literally just do it just to, to rile people up. They don't even they might not even believe what they're saying. You know what I mean? So. I, I It's just it's better to not engage. There's a really good um, thread that I saw that kind of explains like why you don't engage with this stuff. And some of those reasons that I mentioned are part of them. Um, that thread says it a lot better than I do. Um, I don't remember the thread. I think I retweeted it, but. It was, you know, it was a few weeks ago now, so it's hard to keep track of that stuff. But the point is, don't engage in bad faith arguments when you know that's what the person is going to be doing. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We're going to get wrapped up for the evening. Um, Stuff will be a little bit different in the next couple of months. I know um, we're kind of figuring out where the direction is for the show, because for as much as I love talking about Overwatch, um there's still kind of a frustration. There's still kind of a disconnect for us as far as like how emotionally invested we are into the game versus like how much we versus how much we want to celebrate the game. Right. As I think the best way of saying it, I'm having a hard time vocalizing it. Well, if you think, think about it this way. Okay. What have our conversations over the last few months been? What have we more talked about? What have we been more passionate about the game or, or things trying to improve in a sphere that we love. 
right? Mm-hmm. So I, I think for both you and I, it's and for probably you who listen as well, you know, maybe you just listen because you enjoy hearing Ramsey's and I BS about whatever and us ragging each other and whatever else we do, right? Um, maybe that's why you enjoy listening to us. Uh, maybe you do actually still genuinely enjoy Overwatch League. Um, there's still a part of me that does to some extent, but is it the same way that I did just six months, eight months ago? Probably not. You know what I mean? Um, it, it's hard to love it that way when you know everything surrounding the companies that make it happen. But we also know that there's a lot of other companies in this space that are doing it. So you're you're hearing us be more passionate about the things that 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 we want to see changed, right? We want to see we want to be able to go back to that point where we can feel passion about the game, but it's hard to do that with the state of everything right now, right? Um, we're not saying we just want to forget everything happened. What we're saying is we want things to move forward where that can be the thing that we can focus on, but that's just not the case right now. I mean, mm-hmm. we, we've done this podcast for how long, I don't even know the amount of time we're at right now, but a large chunk of it for what, six months now has been about not overwatch league. Um, and, and I think that's a little draining sometimes too, because there's a lot of negative. There's not a lot of positive. Um, and it makes it hard. Uh, and I and, and I think that's kind of where that's at least where I'm at, right? Like, like I don't know what my priorities are anymore. Um it, it's really hard to know what where I want to move forward with anything, not just mm-hmm. Overwatch League. So, you know, because I'm a caster. And there's a lot, there's just a lot going on right now. That that just has everything a giant question mark for me personally. And I feel like it's similar for you. Yeah. Maybe not in the same way. You know what I mean, I mean, because how is it for you right now? Because, you know, we both have admitted like neither of us have touched the game and who knows how long. I think it's honestly it's a thing where like I still love this desperately, but like. Stuff is going in different, like lives are going in different directions, and like the the thing that I keep staying here for is because of this deep love for it. But it does make it hard during the off season when like we're waiting for this for a lead to come back. The off season is definitely very hard because there's a very very much a lack of information, right? Like this isn't like covering the NFL or something like that where they have distilled their formula down to where they are always talked about every single month of the year, right? Mm-hmm. Overwatch League doesn't have that formula. Um, there's just not a lot going on, but people also are just not interested in in Overwatch League the way they were just a few years ago. I mean, you and I, how many podcasts do we know that have gone on hiatus and stuff like that? You know what oh, I mean? Oh, I mean, like realistically, the only ones that are still mainly going are people like Plat Chat who are directly affiliated with the league, or not affiliated, but who at least are directly informed by the league, or I think Tactical Crouch. But does Plat Chat even count? Because they're not just doing Overwatch League anymore, right? Like they it's were doing a separate podcast and a separate feed for Valorant. Um, but it's still Plat Chat. Yeah, it's still the well, same again, guys. Do people? A lot of people who are onto that, who are in tune with that show, are there for for a lot? Like, I love that show, but I listen to it for the personalities rather than necessarily for the Overwatch League content. Well, right, but that's my point, right? Like, like yeah. Plat Chat has changed as well. Like, they're not even. Like, like the only one that I think that's truly like still Overwatch League focused is Tactical Crouch other than us. You know, I don't know of many others. Um, there, there, There's a few more and I'm not thinking of names right now, but but you know what I mean? Like, 
there's the the sphere has changed a lot. Mm-hmm. And like you said, interest in us, things going on in lives. Um, I feel like you and I both want to still do something, though. And we're not saying things are ending. Like, we still don't know what we're going to do. Like, we still got to figure it out. But mm-hmm. but I think the, the point is, is that something's going to change. What is it going to be exactly? We don't know. Eh, if it's anything like the rest of Overwatch League, we'll have to just wait and see, unfortunately. Yeah. But um, you will. Yeah, you'll see us soon. Um, Hopefully. Granted, this always seems like the dead period, I think, right before the season, because like all the news is pretty much out. So at this point, we're just waiting for season details, which aren't going to come until I would imagine like late March. So. We'll see how stuff goes, but I you will be you will be sure to hear from us before then. Yeah. Uh, we'll definitely have stuff to say. <laughs> I mean, there's still we we still I still feel obligated to keep people informed about what's going oh, on with Activision Blizzard at the very least, right? Like I think that's something that's going to stay no matter what. Of course. So in the in the meantime, thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks for thanks for listening, whether it's on Twitch at twitch.tv slash masters buttons or on your podcast provider to episode 128 of Ma- of push the point. Um, of course, the best thing you can do to help us out is to leave us a review, whatever podcast platform you'd like to use. Uh, it makes it easier for people to find us and we get to know exactly what you like and what can improve about the show. Yes. And we also invite you to join us in the Mashless buttons community because, you know, like we said, Overwatch might not be the big focus, but we have so many other podcasts in the network that cover so many games. Um, Please just be part of the community. It's an awesome community. So discord.me slash mash those buttons. And it'll keep you up to date with your favorite shows from the network. A few of which you get to hear about right after we're done. So do that. Support the network too. Jaw works super hard and has created this awesome place for us to be able to talk to you about these things. And and not just these games, but other games as well. So support the network. Patreon.com slash mash those buttons. As little as a dollar a month and you get access to Patreon exclusive content. Uh, please, please, please do that and help out this awesome, awesome place uh, at Pushpoint POD is our Twitter. So you'll be able to keep up to date on everything there and then push the point at gmail.com. If you'd like to email us something, if maybe you um, maybe you have certain thoughts that you'd like out there, you know, we'd be happy to read something like that. So uh, we'd love to hear from you. Yes, sir. And after that, once I get back to the sheet. Um, you can follow us on Twitter. You can follow Lobo at Labosco. You can follow me at Ramsey's underscore OW. In the meantime, stay safe. Take care of yourselves. Don't get sick if you can help it. Stay healthy. I think we already said follow the Twitter at Pushpoint POD. We always do. But at any rate, thanks for being here for episode 128. Uh, Labosco, we'll see you guys next year. Well, not that. <laughs> I'm just a mess, man. You know what? I... My br- my cold addled brain is still struggling to come along with it, but we'll see you guys we made soon. It to the end. We did. We made it to the end. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for putting up with my stuffy voice. We'll see you guys soon. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to a Mash Those Buttons production. 
If you enjoyed the show, you should check out MashlessButtons.com and see if any of our other shows might interest you. All of our shows are available on your podcast platform of choice like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. If you enjoy our content, you can help support Mash Those Buttons by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash mashthosebuttons, where you can receive Patreon bonuses for as little as $1 a month. You can connect with Mash Those Buttons at twitter.com slash themashnetwork, facebook.com slash mashthosebuttons, or join our Discord at mash.gg slash discord. 